What a joy. Something that caught my ear, and I love that song. It's so blessed and near and dear to my heart. Causes many memories to flood back. But I think that those words in that song says, Watching and waiting, looking above. We are to be watching. John closes out scripture with that exact mentality. Watch. Paul, over and over and over, he said, expect it. Get up every day and look for it. Peter mentioned it. All the apostles says, he's coming, he's coming. Watching and waiting, looking above. We ought to be watching. We ought to be waiting. If you would uh, suffer me for just a moment to digress... I'm really happy to be here today. I was, uh, one of the good things about social media is you get to stay in contact with people you don't get to see and don't really ever talk to. Sometimes you get to meet up with people you haven't seen in decades. Such was a story this week of one of my Facebook friends and he had posted on here, I had run into his mom and dad at the Georgia Baptist Convention, the first time I've seen them in probably close to 20 years. And this week, he, uh, or yesterday, I believe, he put on there, he said, was going through some old boxes, you know how we all are in around this time we want to clean out and stuff and he was going through some stuff and he found his survival guide for new believers and opened it took a picture of the front of it said boy this brings back memories and he opened his survival guide and there on the inside of it was the date his pastor who was preaching all of that and I commented below I said do you remember who the youth and education pastor was? And his last name is Brawley, B-R-A-L-Y. He said, yeah, it sounds a lot like my name, but I think it had a D in it. Uh, he is now on staff at a Baptist church in Florida, Ben Brawley, serving the Lord. His mother and father, his father's a deacon at Pumpkin Vine Baptist Church where Don Basil is the pastor talking about a small world and they all the deacons and their wives interrogate i mean interviewed us and i reminded them of this when we went and met them it was my first interview uh coming out of our home church and we went out to eat and we went back over at one of the deacons uh and his wife's home and all the deacons were there and I don't know, they had 30 or 40, I don't know, I'm just kidding. It seemed like that, and all of their wives. And we went into their home, and we went in to have dessert and coffee and to talk. And so they said, well, let's go back into our Florida room, which is on the back. I don't know, I always called those interrogation rooms. I, I understand what a Florida room is. This was an interrogation room. They had built a, a, this little Florida room on the back of their house. It was only about 10 foot wide. And the whole length of the back of this ranch home. And there was a couch on the end with lamps on the end. I kid you not, they all had chairs circled in front of us. And it felt like the lights were shining in our face and said, talk. We felt like we were being interrogated. I remind, they said, we didn't realize how bad. But now that you say that, I remember. I think back to those days and remember what God has done and how God has brought us so far. And I'm not talking about just me, but Ben, his parents, the church. And now I'm at Eastside Baptist Church. Today, thank you for suffering through me five years today. I stood in this pulpit first time as possible. Now, that's, that's kind of a big deal because the lifespan of a pastor in a local church is between 24 and 36 months. 
many are quitting. Over half I've heard of seminary students will quit the ministry within the first couple of years out of seminary. A lot of heartache. Not just the pastor of the church is putting up with us. But a lot of just, uh, well, for lack of a better term, depression, despondency, dejection, all those D's that bring around bad thinking and bad thoughts and churches fighting and pastors being knuckleheads and all the other things that go on around life. it's, It's easy to get sidetracked. So what do you preach on your five-year anniversary starting a new year? See, I preached my first message on this day, January 1st, 1984. And so I celebrate several anniversaries today, but the biggest one I celebrate is grace. God has suffered this fool to be able to stand and preach God's word. And I know, I agree, not very good at it sometimes. But God's goodness is beyond me. It is not about me. It's not about you. It's not about Eastside. It's not about Pumpkin Vine or any other church. It's about Jesus, the head of the church. We're living in a day and in a society that says there is no hope. Many of us sitting here today feel like we have lost hope. We are worried about our jobs. We're worried about our families. We're concerned about our children. We're concerned about our jobs. We're concerned about our churches. We're concerned about our finances. We're concerned about the Russians and the Koreans and the Chinese. We're worrying ourselves sick over what's going on around us, to us, and against us. The first lady was interviewed just a couple of weeks ago, and she uttered these famous, now infamous words, now America will know what it's like to lose hope, to not have hope, is exactly what she said. Many of you heard that interview. May I say to you today, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Listen, I don't have an ounce of faith In Donald Trump. I have faith in the God who controls all things. And we're going to see that today. And this is what I want to share with you. Proverbs 13, 12. Proverbs 13, 12. May I say, I'm excited about 2017. And in a few weeks, I'm going to do a state of the church address. We're going to look at things in depth and look at where we've been and look at where we're going. And we're going to focus this year. I'm going to go on and throw it out there and then we'll start building on it. But our theme, our heart for this year, I believe, I wrote it down at the top of my notes six months ago, is this. Bigger than me. The number one cause for churches to be on the decline, to be plateauing, is to become so inwardly focused we've lost all attention to a lost and dying world. I love a phrase that was mentioned by someone, uh, a, a very famous pastor this week, that said, when we join at the Southern Baptist Convention, it ought to not be the question of what books have you read lately, but who have you led to the Lord? How many have you pointed toward Jesus? Bigger than me. My problems, listen, don't matter because Jesus is bigger than me. All of God's call is bigger 
than me. God's church is bigger than me. Sunday school, the message, the choir, the music, the children's ministry, the youth ministry, Claxton, Evans County, Tattnall County, Bryan County, it's bigger than me. And we're going to be focused on getting outside of our comfort zone. Some, for some of us, this excites us. For many of us, it makes us really nervous. And the older we get, the more nervous we get when we hear, get out of our comfort zone. But today, he said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That word deferred literally means to delay, to put off. A hope that is delayed makes the heart wilt, makes the heart broken. It makes it sick, just heart sick. But when the desire comes, it shall be a tree of life. This is one of those contrasting couplets that Solomon would write. He'd say, this is this way, but this is this way. And over and over and over, he would say, you know, basically, as Joseph said, you meant it for bad, God meant it for good. All the way through, sometimes it would be in an, uh, an agreeing couplet, but this is one of those contrasting couplets. When we have a delayed hope, and what is hope? It is an expectation. It's a patient trust. It's not the kind of, well, I hope I get a new bicycle for Christmas kind of hope. It's a hope of knowing and readily expecting it to come. You understand what I'm saying? I don't hope that Jesus is coming back as a question of maybe he will, maybe he won't. I am patiently hoping in his return of he's coming, it may be any minute now. You understand what I'm saying here? Because the world gets this mixed up. I've heard some people, I say, are you born again? Are you going to heaven? They'll say, I hope so. I, I sure hope so. That's the wrong kind of hope. That's the kind of hope of not knowing that's the kind of hope that's not deferred, but really despondent. It's the kind of hope of thinking, maybe I've done enough. Maybe I have reached a pinnacle. And when you start really peeling the onion, when somebody says that, that's exactly where they go to. They rely on works. They rely on past. But he said, a hope that is delayed makes the heart sick. When we realize that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, then we can avoid it. But, but I, I want to start by laying the foundation. What? I, I want you to see the sickness with relation to hope. When I was growing up, I, I was one of these kids that uh, would get so excited about something I would make myself physically ill. I cannot tell you how many Christmases I spent sick because I would get so excited on Christmas Eve. I'd literally make myself sick. I, I never went to a ball game. And I, I remember having a kid playing football for me when I was coaching in Alabama. He would get so nervous he'd throw up for every game. Every game. So I learned, I, I kept me a, ro a, a roll of Rolaids, a pack of Rolaids in my pocket. And I'd start feeding them to him. As soon as we'd start warming up, when we'd walk down to start warming up, I'd start feeding him Rolaids. And it became a placebo. Yeah, it settled his stomach, but it was like, it was like his, his Superman pill. You know, it was like my daddy giving me Luden's cough drops. Probably didn't have a whole lot of medical purpose, but it changed his way of thinking. I, I, I was almost like that. I, I would, I mean, I'd get so nervous with excitement that I just couldn't hardly stand it. But this is a different kind of sickness. This is a kind of sickness of 
having no memory of what God has done for us to bring us to where we're at. When I said Pumpkin Vine, where I served 25 years ago, that's where Don Basil's at now. Some of you are like, oh yeah, because you, Don was your pastor. It's weird how God does things sometimes. And now Don's the pastor there. It was really cool. Y'all remember my buddy Joey Meeks that did our wild game banquet a couple years ago. He is the chaplain for the sheriff's department uh, there in Paulding County. And he gets all the different pastors from all over the county to come do a prayer service every Thursday to pray for the law enforcement. And he, he posts it. He always posts pictures and asks all his friends to pray with him and stuff. Another day he said, you know, we're having... We're all meeting together, praying today at 520, blah, blah, Pastor Don Basil here, Lee. And I looked, and there's Don, you know. Don and I went to seminary together. We were in class together in our doctoral work at Luther Rice. God has done so much, and he's so intricate. Why do we forget? We become sick, and we think, how... Why go on? Why? I mean, have we forgotten how far God has brought us? We've become sick in our heart because we've forgotten our past. Number one, we forgot God saved us. I didn't save myself. God saved me. I've got as godly a set of parents as there ever walked the face of the earth. I know you do, and I'm not going to hurt your feelings and let you down that you don't, that I've got them. But, you know. Somebody's got to be the top, I guess, but, you know. But I understand mom and dad didn't do a single thing to save me. They pointed me to Jesus. They told me about Jesus. Jesus saved me. Jesus saved me. And the minute I I try to rely on them, I, I, I saw something this past week in reading that said, what was one of the... The number one things that made you nervous when you first got married about what would happen after you got married. And I've told you this. One of the things that made me nervous was I can't rely on mom and dad for everything. It's on me now. It's on me. But when it comes to Jesus, I can remember times in my life where I could go to mom and say, Mom, you know, my heart hurts or whatever. I could go to daddy and say, I got problems, financial problems. I've got this kind of problem. My car's messed up. All these kind of things. But I know there's been spiritual times, spiritual problems in my life where I couldn't go to mom. I couldn't go to dad. I couldn't go to anyone but to the Lord. Because when the rubber meets the road, When it all comes to a screeching halt, look back over your life. People have let you down. People who are leaders in this church are vacant today because they have become heart sick in the lack of memory of where God brought them from. God saved us, church, not to do what we want to, but to do what he has gifted us to do. Let us not be sick in the absence of memory that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Church, God does not want bad for us. God allows us to go through things, but God loves us. You think you love your children? Take that times a gazillion. And you cannot touch the hem of God's love for his church. He sent Jesus to die for us. Have we forgotten that? Do you think God's lost control of this world? Why? Why do we get so beside ourselves and think there is no hope? It's because we forget to look back. Or we've never known hope to begin with. Which means we're lost. There's no memory and there's no faith. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Church, don't let our hearts be troubled. Have faith in God. Though all the world turn against you, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Maybe it's hymnal morning, I don't know. But church, like Jimmy said, there's so much doctrine there. 
I mean, you could preach through them. Some of the new songs, same way. He is a good, good father. We've forgotten that. And we don't have any faith to trust that his plans are greater than ours. A, a hope that is delayed. Church, I want to encourage you going into 2017, stop delaying, stop deferring, stop pushing off the hope and step out in faith and believe God he is and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Now, if you want to be a part-time Christian, get part-time blessings. But if you want God, you want to see God, you want to see God move, you want to see God turn Claxton upside down, that's the problem we don't want to. Because it would upset our apple cart. Then we may have to go to church more. Then we may have to give more. We may have to do more. But if you really want to do business with God, you're more worried about what God wants in your life than how quick you need to get up and how quick the preacher needs to be done. If you're more worried or concerned about loss than you are what a ball score is, then you've got to understand You've got to believe that he wants to change this world. And he's called his church to be the ambassadors for him. There's hope, church. There's hope. There's great hope. I'm going to tell you, in the last, I don't know how many years, I have a lot of hope that God has done a lot through our government now and what he can do. Do you know there are less abortions going on now at the end of Obama's eight-year administration than the story? And it's not because of him. It's because God do whatever he wants whenever he wants to. I'm not trying to bash on him. Or he, but the truth is he was pro-choice. He believed in abortion and all for it. They have changed laws. They have Shut down abortion clinics. Listen, there's a lot of bad stuff, but let's not miss in our memory what God has done. Let faith arise. Let us grow deeper in believing God wants to change. It kills me. It absolutely, if there's anything that fires this old preacher up, it's for a mom and daddy who court their children, believe they're going to be the next great superstar, and they spend all their time chasing a ball and chasing their kid and everything else in this world. And they teach them God's important unless we've got a ball game. God's important unless we've got a vacation. God's important unless we're just tired. And then wonder why they leave God, leave the church as soon as they leave school. Wake up! God is real now. God will be real then. We've got to wake up and have faith. We've got to believe God is greater. If God wants your child to be the next Tim Tebow, he'll make them Tim Tebow. But let's, let's remember, as great as he was, the world's coming. God didn't keep him in the NFL. Now, i got news for you. They may have beat up on him, but if God wanted him in the NFL, he'd still be there. I just smile and smirk in a righteous indignation when he walks up and they're mocking him. And first, first at bat in a minor league practice game, he hits one out. This kid that hadn't played baseball since 11th grade in high school, and he's 28, 29. Now, oh, he's lost all the skill. You can't, I know, I understand. I can't throw like I used to, but I'm old. He walks out there, this big old hulk of a guy, walks out there, he almost looks, he just looks wrong. He don't look like a baseball player. He walks out, whack. Dude, man, don't, don't tell him what God can't do. He was supposed to be aborted. Everything else in his life was told he couldn't do it, but he just believed God was bigger than what everybody told him. God can do whatever he wants to with you. May I say that little old boy that I mentioned a while ago, he got on my nerves. He's a little toe-headed, just wild, just God had a plan for his life. I remember hearing the old ladies talk about me that way. One of them gave me a Bible for my ordination. She said, if God can do this for you, he can do anything. That's the truth. I preached her funeral. I didn't kill her. Come on, she's old. We've lost focus. What does God want in your life? 
I've already, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I've been doing some background, doing some research. And if nothing happens this year, we're going to Haiti. I've, you know I've had that on my heart. I've mentioned it. Well, I've made contact, initial contact. And this week, we're going to be delving even deeper into that, exploring that, that call to go serve a week or so on mission in Haiti this week. Uh, you can look up their website, Baptist for Haiti. But you need to start praying now God wants you to go because you're not going to wait till June and decide. You've got to get passports and you've got to do it. You don't have to have any shots, believe it or not. But you've got to have a passport. And, and it's not a whole lot of money. At, at the most, it's going to be $1,300, 1500 to go spend a week down there. You're going to stay in a mission house. We'll all stay together, all eat together. We'll either be doing, uh, and we're probably going to do two-prone where we do construction and do Bible school, backyard Bible club, sports type stuff. I'm going to tell you, church, it'll revolutionize our church. If you've never been on a mission trip, this is the one you need to go to. You need to go. So I ain't. If you're saying I ain't going, then you probably ought to go. Come on. Come on in. Listen. We've got to get focus on who Jesus is. Jesus loves Haitians. Jesus loves Ukrainians. Jesus loves, hey, get this. Jesus loves Koreans, even North Koreans. Jesus loves the Chinese and the Russians. Loves them. And we've got to reach this world for Christ. Don't let... Do not let the sun go down tonight. Having been unfaithful to give to missions that God's told you to give to. We're somewhere around the 15,000 mark last I heard. Are we really? Are we really going to get that close and not reach the goal that God laid on our hearts? It's not just the burden of Matt and Joey and Brooke. It's not, it's not just the burden of Ryan and who run in the race and, you know, help with that. It should be the church's burden to be focused on him. Listen, the, the sickness with relation to the hope is that we prolong it. We remove it. We delay it because we've forgotten what God has done. We have no faith in what God can do. And we have no focus on what he wants to do in our lives. Second. What's the source of our hope? The source, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. And I want you to ask yourself, is there something in my life I've lost all hope? I have no hope that my health can get any better. I have no hope in a relationship. I have no hope that God can fix my financial woes. I have no hope in my future. I have no hope in anything in my life. Hear this. Listen. It's time to get over the sickness and see the source of our hope. Because listen, ask yourself this. When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away your ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. Trust God today, no matter how dark your situation may be. You may be in that tunnel. I've been in the tunnel. Amen? You're either going in the tunnel, in the middle of the tunnel, or you're heading out. But there's a tunnel on your path. There's several tunnels on your path. Do like I always do. When I go through the tunnels of real life, I love going through the tunnels. What do you do when you go through the tunnel? Just honk the horn. Let everybody know you're there. Just honk. Why do we do that? I don't know, but it's fun. And I'm going to do it. Why do you do that? Because I want to. I love to hear myself honk going through the tunnels. Listen, sometimes we just need to honk for Jesus. Amen. Y'all think I'm crazy. 
I am. See, your problem is I don't think, no, because I am. But I'm crazy for Jesus. I'm crazy in Jesus. And when we start getting our hope back, then the whole world will think we're crazy. Because you'll look at a situation and see hope where everybody else sees despair. The source of our hope in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to understand what he means here. This word blessed or blessed, it is the word that we take our English word eulogy for. It means to be highly praised. And may I say that it is only used in reference to God in the entire New Testament. Every time this word is used, it only is used in context of high praise unto him. Not Paul, not John, not Matthew, not Peter, not, listen to me, not Mary. It's only used in blessing the name of God. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his Abundant mercy hath begotten us again, rebirth, like he told Nicodemus, unto a lively, or in the newer uh, translations, a, a very fitting word, a living hope. One that is breathing, this hope that is alive by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Bless the Father. Bless God. And our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath reborn us, has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He is our source of hope. Blessing him, praising him, worshiping him, singing for him, preaching, praying, everything. That's the source of our hope. You can't pray and thank God and stay upset you just can't you can be heavy heart but God continually lifts you up through it amen the problem is sometimes we just like to wallow in our own self pity and it's time to wake up and move on it's time to continue when David listen when David's son was sick what did he do what did he do y'all remember it's, this is in the Old Testament he fasted he was miserable. He, I mean, he in sackcloth, wouldn't eat, weeping, broken, praying for that boy. What happened? Boy died. But he got up. David got up then. He didn't declare a 40-day fast. He didn't declare a national season of mourning. Matter of fact, they might they said, What's the deal with him? His while he was sick. He was all broken, but now that he died, he's up, he's washed, he's eating. Because he knew where his son was. And he knew where his faith must lie. Church, it's time for us to stand up, wake up, and worship him. Now, for some of us, it's time for us to fast and to be broken over this world. But it's time to have hope in the Lord. The source, listen, is for his greatness. It's for his greatness. Look in verse 18. For as much as you know, you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Listen. Who by, he, uh, by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and your hope might be in God. Who is this God? He is the one who has redeemed us. How did he redeem us? Not with idols. 
not with silver and gold, not with an exchange of monetary devices, no, by the precious blood of the Lamb. When we see that blessing the Lord is the source of our hope, we start by blessing Him for His greatness. He's God. We're not. It's who He is. Do you realize that? It's not a novelty. We do not take God out of a box, sit Him up on a a stand, burn some candles around him and say, oh, hail God. And look there, God is above us. God is above our minuscule ideas of what we think God is. He's so much greater. He is so great that even Moses, in his presence, God had to put his hand over him because his holiness would have absolutely just decimated Moses' existence because that's how rich our God is. But yet, He's transcendent through his son, who, though has all preeminence, was born of a virgin, lived in a life. Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, exiled to Egypt for a while, walked the king's highway, walked across the Sea of Galilee, walked the Via Della Rosa to Calvary, walked the road to Emmaus in resurrection. Walked up the Mount of Olives to his ascension. That's our God. That's who he is. You know what? We want to keep score. God did this for me. I got to thank God. Yes, you ought to. You ought to thank God for it. But listen, before you ever start thanking God for what he's done, thank him for who he is. That you don't have to rely on your godhood. I'm glad, I'm glad that the truth is I don't have to rely on myself somehow attaining to be a God. I'll never be a God. I never want to be a God. I don't want that authority. I don't want to even, I've tried. I've tried younger to be and take on that authority, try to call down conviction on somebody's life. If there's anything I've learned in ministry, listen to me. Anything I've learned in ministry is he's God and I'm not. And I don't want to be. I don't want to be responsible. I don't want that kind of responsibility. He can bear the load because he spoke it into existence. He is the chief designer. He is the moral lawgiver. He is life. He is truth. He is the way. We bless him for his greatness, but we also bless him for his goodness. Not, you see, we bless him for who he is. He is God. It's who he is. But in his goodness, he's our God. It's what he does. He's our God. One who walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am his own. That's the only part of that song I like. I don't know. I guess I've heard it at so many funerals. Every time I go in with a family, get ready for a funeral. I said, what song do you want? In the garden. Oh, gosh. At least it's not go rest high on the mountain. When I get where I'm going, I'm going to tell you something. He does walk with me. And he talks to me. And he doesn't just tell me. He reminds me. Because he told me years ago, I am his own. I belong. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He is my father. I am his child. He loves me. I let my father down many, many, many times. But he never said, you're not my son. He said, you've broken my heart. He never shamed me. Sometimes I wished he would have. So, some, you know the worst time? I wished he would have just wore me out till my legs fell off. Rather than the look of disappointment in his eyes and the brokenness of how to let him down. Are you letting God down? Is your hope kind of fallen because you stop looking at him, you stop thanking him for what he. You, you're more worried about what you hadn't got. I, I love it at Christmas. You say, "What'd you get?" I didn't get what I wanted. I'm one of them. But Becky and I, we said, "What? What do we need? Do we need anything?" You don't know what my wife asked for for Christmas. Now I'm I'm bragging on her. This, my wife said, you don't know what I want. I kept, what do you want? I got, you got to give me a target. 
Give me something I can aim at. She said, honestly, you want to know what I want? I said, yes, I want to know what you want. We'd already said we're not going to do anything big. We're going to give to Lottie Moon. We don't need anything. I said, what do you want? She said, I want a dozen chocolate dipped strawberries. If I'm lying, I'm dying. And so I waited until, what, Christmas? Was it? Or the day before? Was it Christmas? I called Dana. I said, Dana, you need to find somewhere down there that's got these things because I can't find them up here. And I got to get them back. It'd just be easier if you could find them and have them for me and I'd give it to her. She wasn't no help. She's, she ain't no help. She actually called a place for me up there. That's, that's what I got her. And she was thrilled to death. Dozen chocolate dip strawberries. She's like, Telling the kid, here, get you. No, I didn't buy it for them. I bought her a car. She got a car. You eat the strawberries. <laughs> he got rims for his car. Let them not eat the strawberries. <laughs> she was thrilled to death to get her strawberries. She said, no, I ain't got you nothing. I said, it's fine. I don't want anything. No, I'm serious. I ain't I said, yeah, okay, whatever. And her and Emily kind of schemed. They got, got me a couple of shirts, you know. Well, I'm walking through the line buying these strawberries in a grocery store. This nice bakery and this nice grocery store, and I've got them, and I'm standing in line, and I'm looking at all the gossip magazines, and I'm just, uh, and everybody's buying. I'm like, it's Christmas Eve. You're just now going to buy a turkey? I mean, really? And I'm sitting here waiting, and I look, and there's gift cards. We like to go to Bonefish Grill. And I noticed right above, it was a gift card for Bonefish Grill, but there was an extra gift card in it. It said a complimentary Bang Bang Shrimp. Now, if you've never had them, you just don't know what life holds for you this side of glory. And she loves them. And I kind of like them, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to give this to her. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Everybody says we need to go on a date. We're going on a date. And so I got her that, too. She's like, I told you I wouldn't. I said, it's our date. It's our, you know. I say all that. Sometimes, God, we get stuff. And we think, is that all I got? But God has gifted us so much more. And the thing of it, he's given us a gift card that says, here, I want to do it with you. I, I, want, it, I want this to just be you. I, I want you to enjoy this. Sometimes God has given, and we don't even, well, I feel guilty. It's time to get over the guilt and enjoy the hope God has given you. Thank him for his goodness. He's your God. Rejoice in him. Now, unlike a Muslim or another false religion, we don't have to be mad about it. We don't have to kill everybody that doesn't believe. We want them to all live. Tell somebody about the God you believe in. What's the substance of our hope? The substance of our hope. He tells us, listen, in chapter 3, verse 15. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Set him aside. Focus on him. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. To be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason for your hope. Number one, you've got to display enough hope that somebody's going to say, why are you so hopeful? What are you happy about? I used to love that old saying. It said, smile makes people wonder what you're up to. Some people you look at and you're like, they are not saved. Because, I mean, literally, you're just waiting for the horns to pop out. They just got that look on their face. And then you find out that they're a pastor somewhere. I'm like, no. What are the satanic church? He leads me. Are you kidding me? She teaches Sunday school? What is she teaching? Anton LaVey? You know, she's teaching witchcraft. You look at some people who claim to be believers and it's just meanness. They're just, they're just going to mean away. They just smell mean. 
Church, it ought not be so if you know the loving God who sent his loving son to die a loving death on a, mer- on a merciless cross, becoming a curse for us, then you ought to act like you care about something. Don't take great pride in running your mouth and complaining about everything and everyone around you. You ought to be grace-filled. I like to have my way too. But you know what? Someone who's always talking, always complaining, is just telling everybody how dumb they are. And it's all about you. Church, Jesus said, it's all about him. It's all about them. You see, the substance of our hope is in the fact that he gives life. John Phillips said, hope always has the future in mind. Hope always has the future in mind. It's not hope against hope. It's real hope. It's the hope of life today. He gives life today. How many is living? Some of you, listen, all you first responders, check the ones that didn't raise their hand. I've been known to put somebody to sleep, but I don't know that I've ever preached them to death. Paul did. Don't blame. Paul, Paul put them to sleep so much they fell out the wind and died. Don't try that because he had to probably raise them back up. I can't do that. You've got life today. Enjoy it. It's our substance of hope. Yeah, life may not be the greatest you've ever lived in this moment, but you're alive. That means there's hope. Amen? There's hope. There's great hope. We're not what we were five years ago. And I have great hope. Look, we've lost people along the way. And I'm not, when I say lost, I know where they're at. I hadn't really lost them. Amen? Know exactly where they're at. And we just get in our own frame of mind. That's what makes us so upset. And, and we ought to be upset a little bit, but when we get focused on how short time is, when we start remembering how long ago since we were in school, how long ago since we first uh, started going to church, when we first got saved, how long it was before we got buried, or how long ago when our children were born, we start realizing life is just a vapor. We realize those who have gone on, we ain't far behind. Hope rises. Hope rises. Don't die with no hope. The substance of our hope is he is the giver of life and life today. He's given you a gift today. How will you spend it? Have you ever spent a whole day doing absolutely nothing and feel like you have completely wasted it? So my wife said, yeah, you spent it sitting there watching. That wasn't a waste. That was a blessed event. I was able to sit, and then last night I was able to talk to the guys about it, and we just rehearsed all the great hits and the calls. And I've spent days where I just was blah, and I said, didn't do anything, drink coffee all day. I mean, and you can't get it back. Today's a gift. Today's a gift. And I'm going to tell you something. Tonight at 6 o'clock, will be a gift to come and pray with your church family about what God wants to do in your life in 2017. Are we going to get to May? Are we going to get to August? Are we going to get next December and say, oh, I just pray it 2018 will be better. You know how to avoid some of that? Come tonight and pray. What's those saying? If you didn't vote, shut up. If you won't come and pray, well, you, how are you going to complain? How are you going to complain? Church, he gives life today. He gives life tomorrow. <coughs> Yesterday was 2016. Right? I always hate having to, it takes me a few weeks or months to get into writing that. It just, that's the worst part about date changing. When you write on all your papers, you know, and you have to change, Yeah. I got two teenage girls listening to my message. I am, listen, I'm, I'm finished. I'm happy. 
In just the last few hours, we've changed years. God did that. God did it. I stayed up and watched it change in the central time zone. I wasn't staying up for California. Because I don't even know if God cares about California. I'm just kidding. Not really, but. Life tomorrow. He gives life eternal. That's the substance of my hope. This, listen to me now. I'm finishing. This is not all there is. You hear me? Seems like you can't get caught up. Yeah, I mean, if you could just even get a frayed end to touch, it would feel like a great victory. But there, I mean, it's just like, won't reach. This is not all there is. This is not all there is. It's not about new cars. It's not about what we got for Christmas. It's about Christ. He said in chapter 1, verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end. Hope to the end for the grace of that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's not hoping you're going to be saved, but that delightful expectation of the fullness of His salvation in your life. Life eternal. Listen, take heart. Hope is on the way. Hope is on the way. A hope delayed makes your heart sick. But when it comes, oh, when it comes, It's a tree of life. Today, know the tree of life. Today, have hope. Let us go into 27 being more hopeful than we've ever been. As they come to the instruments, let us be focused on him. Let us pray that we be outwardly focused. And the problems that we do have, you know how you get outwardly focused? Take your inwardly focus and lay it at Calvary. Come to Jesus today. If you're lost and without hope, You have no hope in anything. You don't have hope today, tomorrow. You surely do not have hope in eternity. Come and pray that the Lord would save you, forgive you of your sins, and change you. Today, you're born again, bought with the blood of Jesus. You've been saved for four decades. You've been saved for four years. You've been saved for four minutes. But you've lost attention. You've forgotten what he's brought you through. You've lost focus at what God is calling you to. You've lost faith that He is everything He says He is. And today you need to pray, God, lift this burden. Look, it's not going to be that you're so focused on the burden. It's going to be that you become so focused on the burden bearer. Come to me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come. Come to Jesus. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Come. Come to Jesus. May our hope be restored. Pray for his hope. Come. Come. Pray for hope. Come. Stand and come. Come to Jesus today.